Ewan Bell is a well-known editorial photographer and leads photo workshops in different parts of the world. I spoke to him this week in Bhutan, where he's taking some photographers later in the year, but it's the first time he's been back there in three years, and he really notices a lot of change. It's dry in the winter there, and Ewan loves to get away from the tourist spots and the tourist food to where he can enjoy the solitude of a small village and where, believe it or not, the food can be quite gourmet. I spoke to Ewan earlier. So I've got Ewan Bell on the line and he is coming in by the magic of uh, steam radio from uh, Bhutan. And Bhutan, as he was explaining to me off air, is an isolated part of the world and I guess that's part of its charm Ewan you've been going there you said for 13 years that's some love affair yeah that's right um, there are certain places in the world where you really love to go back and this is this is one of the key places for me you know the connections I have here are part of the reason that I come back but I love the country and I love the scenery I love being in the mountains and I love being somewhere where people feel that it's more important to have an experience than to uh, collect things. It's, it's a real cultural difference they yeah, have here. Yeah, I get it. I, I absolutely get it. I realised from our previous conversations that there's a sort of a Zen element about being in Bhutan. It's also got such a evocative scenery, and I don't mean the mountains, I mean the people, the colours, the... Uh, the way they live their life. It's just it's such an authentic scenario that they probably n- never heard of a hashtag, thank goodness. What, what, now, you often go back with uh, people accompanying you who are interested in the f- photographic side of things. What are you doing over there right now, though? You're doing something different, aren't you? Well, at the moment, we're doing a little bit of extra research to line up for some future tours down the track. We're actually quite keen on the gourmet side of things here in here in Bhutan, which will probably sound remarkably unusual for anyone who's been here before, because the tourist food when you come to Bhutan is some of the blandest, most uninteresting food you've ever had in your life. Right. And the key is to get away from the tourist food, and okay. that's what we do. So what, what is the typical, uh, not the tourist food, but what sort of food do you find and enjoy? Well, um, they do tend to eat a lot of chilli, and they have a particular chilli here that uh, even if you're used to the chilies when you go to Thailand, say, yeah, um, and then you come across to Bhutan, it's a different chili, and it kind of hits you in a different way. Blow your head off. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty hot. They do okay. like it spicy, but but not everything they eat here has got chili in it. But their major thing, there's a particular kind of a side dish they have with every meal. They'd never serve a meal without this chili cheese dish, and it's wow. uh, emadatsi is the local name. And it's essentially like a cheesy sauce that takes up all of the chili and the heat so that, that the cheesiness is really spicy too. And so they just sort of put chunks of this chili cheese over the top of their rice and um, whatever else that they're eating. You know, here they have all the, the usual things that you might get in Tibet, like, you know, the dumplings, homos. They'll have a lot of vegetables. So like they've got a potato chili cheese and they've got uh, lots of greens. Okay. <laughs> They're really into mustard greens and yeah. and cabbages and stuff. Yesterday we had some of the momos that I hadn't had before that have a little bit of the, the chili but a lot of cheese and cabbage. And it was delicious. It was like the best momo I've ever had in my life. It was is great. it grown are all these vegetables grown locally? Like are they able to grow they, in the, this altitude? Yeah, so so the interesting thing with Bhutan is that in the south you're on the border of Darjeeling 
and so you've, you've got these sort of tropical climes right down in the south. Oh. So as even though we think of Bhutan and, you know, as being with all of the mountains, the Himalayas, with yeah. views to Jomalhari and, and all this sort of stuff, but just on the edge of the borders in the south, you've got this sort of a tropical zone. Right. So they can bring food up through the south there. Right. But if you're only eating stuff that you're growing in the higher, higher climes, there's certain kind of rice that they've grown here that, you know, that can cope with the higher altitude. So it's a, a different kind of rice. And it's really popular with people who are into really pure kind of foods. You know, they actually right. export quite a bit of their rice because the red rice has got, you know, it grows slowly. So the nutrients are kind of stronger in this, this red rice that they have. It's great. Uh, I like red rice actually it's uh, it's really quite good talk, talk just about the cheese is this is it yak or what what is the animal that produces the cheese well there's a bit of controversy about the cheese at the moment because in the old days it was always yak because everything was yak but actually uh the cow you know the cow um you the know, one the, we know the bovine dairy yeah <laughs> the, that's right. the bovine yeah. dairy has come in there's an amazing story about this swiss gentleman called fritz who came to bhutan i think it was in the 80s and he's a lovely he's around still and we get to see him from time to time and I hope I get to see him in a couple of weeks and Fritz came to Bhutan and helped them to do a number of things he taught them how to make beer he taught them how to make cheese you know the western style cheese mm-hmm. um, and he taught them how to grow apples and so he's a very very popular man here in here in Bhutan he sort of helped them to grow crops that they can sell and export and things like that Obviously, if you teach people how to how to make their own beer, that makes you pretty popular. Oh in yeah, most places well, in your world. life's complete with those three items. <laughs> almost anyway. Oh, that's fantastic. So mate. now there's a pocket of Bhutan where they're making gouda. So yeah. we haven't been that far in yet, and so in around about three days, we're going off to this little tiny pocket of Bhutan. Yeah. Where they make gouda, they have their cows, and they make gouda, and they and so we want to find out what the Bhutanese gouda tastes like. Well, it just it sounds very, very civilised, uh, Ewan. What about it meat? Is, what sort is. of meat do you get to eat there, or don't? Is there not much of that protein? Well, well, again, things are changing here. Things change so much in you know in the the decade had I been coming. When I first came here, all of the chicken meat used to come in from India. Right. And I think it was like on my my second or third trip when the king was getting married, and for the royal wedding, all of the chicken was diverted to the wedding. And you couldn't get chicken to eat anywhere in Bhutan because it was all going to the wedding. Now, just in the last sort of sort of three or four years, they've actually started to make their own chicken farms and things like that. So they're growing their own chicken. The Bhutanese people being so deeply Buddhist, there's always this thing that they don't want to be the ones responsible for killing an animal. Oh, right. Yep. So traditionally, you'd only eat a yak when something happened to the yak. And there's always this kind of joke that there's a particular festival that's, uh, that's at the start of winter when you, you'd eat a fair bit of the yak meat to cook up the dishes that they want at the festival and strangely enough that seems to be the time of year when all the acts kind of tumble off the cliffs and then they you know they get to eat the acts oh, i thought you were going to say roadkill but, uh, okay. well it's kind of the bhutanese version of roadkill yeah, that's right yeah, you, you know so yeah. oh yes my yak tipped off a cliff we can eat him now you know, right okay so how many thousand feet up are you where you are right now 
or metres, whatever you call it. At the moment, we're in one of the low points because we're in Punaka and Punaka is kind of like the summer place. Um, it's much warmer here. We're only at 1,500 metres. Okay. Uh, they, grow, they grow two crops of rice per year. They've actually just started planting out the second crop, which is great. Um, so there's rice paddies everywhere. There's just beautiful terrace fields and it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just amazing how the forest, this deep, rich, jungly forest that's got got bears and snow leopards and all this kind of stuff that oh. come down into into the low areas and then suddenly that gives way to rice fields which is great so at the moment we're at 1500 when we landed in Paro we were at 2300 and in a couple of days time we're going to Pobchika Valley uh, which is at roughly 3000 and okay. that's where the black neck cranes come in during the winter time as well and that's right. what that valley is famous for okay. that and um, if you go a little bit further on you get some gouda. Wow, okay. It sounds enchanting, I must say, even though it's probably pretty basic, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know things have changed so much and certainly because I've been away through COVID, so I haven't been back for three years and that's part of why we're here now. We just want to see what's changed over the last, you know, the COVID period. And things really are changing. They're changing faster than I've ever seen before. There's plenty of really good hotels here in here in Bhutan. The hotels in the past were always good, but not necessarily great. And there's a lot of really good hotels here. Um, so what are you, you saying? Know, four if you star, want, five star. Uh, you can go six star here if you really want oh, to. Oh, seriously. You know, if, Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like there's one where I did a shoot for um, this place called Amankora, sensational chain. Um, mm. They've got some beautiful properties all over Bhutan. And essentially what they were doing is that they were flying in the scallops from Thailand on the daily flight to make sure that their guests could have some scallops with their soup in the evening. So, oh. you know, that's a pretty good standard. And, the you know, the, the architecture in some of these hotels is just absolutely breathtaking. And the way that they tied in with the traditional architecture and the way it even seems to connect with the views like like at the moment where i am i can see out the uh, the window i'm actually looking down onto onto punaka zong which is an amazing site you've got two rivers and this amazing amazing temple these ones are called zongs and it's this beautiful architecture and it's surrounded by these the clouds are hugging the mountains all around to the east wow. and to the west and it's so green and it's so sort of, you know, everything just grows here. You know, it's interesting, the difference between Bhutan when you go to Nepal. So it's not far away. It's just on the other side of the Himalayas, right, when you go when yeah. you go to the Nepalese side. And it's so dry over there and it's so dusty and it's sort of, you know, it's really different. And Bhutan is just green and lush and everything grows. Nepal is much harsher. Okay. You know, it's... You, you, You've got snow instead of trees and things like that. Okay. Now, you're going to take a uh, photography tour back back to Bhutan, Ewan? When's that? Yeah, yeah. We have a group coming over November this year. So we change the slot every year to fit in with what the festivals are doing. It can be hard with the festivals. The festivals are on the lunar calendar. Yeah. So every year we pick a festival that gets far, far away from as many tourists as we possibly can. So we don't do the festivals that are in the closer cities, um, the cities that are closer to the airport. So we drive for sort of three days to get away from, you know, know, the tourists. We find somewhere really quiet. And sometimes the festival will be in a village with like a hundred people and that's just really wonderful when it's just a very very uh, a genuine kind of feeling that you're there when 
yeah, that's right. When it's just you and the people who live in the village and we're the only travellers there and that's really special. Mm. Um, but we don't just come for the festivals. We love, we love the winter time because here the winter time is a dry time. And so the weather's really good. We get great, great sunlight. It means we even get some sunrises. So, okay. so in the, the summertime, you don't really get sunrises because there's cloud everywhere because the air's moist. And so there's this kind of like blanket of, of cloud that carpets the whole place and it kind of clears a bit uh, uh, during the day and then it comes in again and stuff. In wintertime, it's beautiful and it's sharp. So, you know, yeah. it's cool overnight. It can, you know, it can get very cold during the nighttime. But during the daytime, the sun comes out and it's really clear. And so, you know, as a photographer, I love seeing the sun. I want the sun. And I guess for those who come with you, this is a fairly unique destination to be shooting. You know, it's not like you're fighting yeah. a space at Trevi Fountain. <laughs> well, well, the way we work it, because because of we're the only people there who are from you know the West, um, we're not fighting the crowd. We're just we're kind of the guests of honour, in yeah. fact. And you know, so. uh, quite often when they hear that we're going to be coming back the next day, they organise this little tent where we can sit down and have a seat and. You know, they ask us to come out the back to have a cup of tea with the llama and things like that. And it's really beautiful because okay. no, they're just happy to share their culture. They're so happy to share their culture and and that they're happy when they see that we come and we enjoy what they have to offer and their stories, you know, and these Festivals, they're very, very important uh, religious events for the local people because it's all about they want the monks to do their, their dances to ward away the evil and to bring the good luck. And for us to be there too just adds to the power of that moment. So have you got any places left on your November tour, Ewan? We do have a couple of places left, yep. Okay. yep. We sent out an email just just last week and so you know we're over halfway sold now which is nice because the people of Bhutan have been waiting three years for tourism to start up yeah. again so they've been very yeah, patient. They'd be grateful to have you um, back. They are they are yeah. they're very happy to see some travelers back it's been hard on them because because tourism is their primary primary source of international uh, currency yeah. so at the moment they're having a real a real currency crisis they don't right. have any money to bring things into the country so as the tourists start to come back then things can start to turn over and everyone will be happier and they're very glad to see us this week okay so if people want to get in touch with you they go to the website uandbell.com. That's the one. E-W-E-N-B-E-L-L dot com. Ewan, thanks so much for your time. As always, great to chat with you. Thank you very much, Graeme. Great to be here. Ewan Bell there in conversation with Graeme Kemlo from the isolated kingdom of Bhutan.